Let me get to my message today. Uh, my passage of scripture is found in 2 Chronicles 7, verse 12, and we'll read down through the 14th verse. And the Lord appeared to Solomon by night and said unto him, I have heard thy prayer. Now think about Solomon. Think about Solomon. He had 700 wives and 300 combines, concubines. I've seen if you're listening and you are. I felt the Lord in a mighty way in this place, and I believe he's going to show up in this sermon today. Uh, the Lord said to Solomon, now you and I both know that Solomon wasn't a perfect man. He's pretty smart, but at the end of his life, he said things like, everything's vanity. What did I waste my time with? Everything I lived for was vain. Now, if the Lord can answer Solomon's prayer, I think he can answer your prayer. Somebody say Amen. And the Lord appeared to Solomon by night and said unto him, I've heard thy prayer and have chosen this place to myself for an house of sacrifice. If I shut up heaven and there be no rain or if I command the locusts to devour the land or if I send pestilence among my people. If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then... Notice in that verse, there's an if and a then. If these conditions are met, then will I, here from heaven, will forgive their sin and will heal their land. Amen. Somebody say amen. I'd like for this church to be uh, a, a church that sees God move in a community, move in individuals' lives. Notice the Lord said, I will hear, heal, I will hear, and then he said, I'll forgive their sin and heal their land. God not only wants to work in people, he wants to work in this community. And it's uh, challenging to me to recognize that if God's people will do those things he asks us to do, God said he'll move in people's lives and he'll move in this community. And I think we need both things happening. Somebody say amen. Let's pray together and ask the Lord to touch us today as we enter his word. Father, I thank you for your blessings, God, and your goodness. I thank you for the spirit of the Lord that we have felt here today. I thank you for every person that's here today and their journey in you and what you're doing in their life. I praise you for it. I thank you for the reports, O oh Lord, and for the people that you are moving on and changing. God, I pray that we would all leave walking closer to you today, more a disciple than we were when we came in. And we ask it all in Jesus' name. Touch us today. And everybody said in Jesus' name. Amen. Turn to your neighbor and tell him, I'm glad you're here again. <laughs> Amen. God bless you. You can be seated. Uh, as a pastor, as a preacher, I am called to preach the gospel, to say things about Jesus, to talk about him, not just when I'm in the pulpit. Amen. Uh, but I would like to probably float this idea that we are all called to preach the gospel. Uh, Matthew, Matthew 28 is pretty emphatic in the closing verses of that chapter. The Lord commanded that we go and preach the gospel. And I believe every one of us are preachers. Now, whether we're a pastor, an evangelist, that may be another story. But our lives are written epistles known and read of all men. But we must also be talking about the Lord and what he's done in our lives, sharing our testimony. 
Amen. Because God has been very good to all of us. Somebody say amen. Uh, But the challenge for me today is that we in church and in churches, uh, in fact, in churches in this community, let's say that, and let's say in this church, uh, I believe there is a, there is a problem, a discrepancy uh, that needs our attention. I believe we spend a lot of time talking about God. In fact, I would say we spend most of our time talking about God and singing about God but we spend comparatively a lot less time talking to God. I'd say in this service, we've already, 9.30 Sunday school starts, we've heard a lot about God, haven't we? 9.30 to 10.30, and then at 10.30, we've heard a lot of singing about God and what he does, and I appreciate all of it. And it's 11.28 now, 27, somewhere in there. We've already been here two hours. We've heard a lot about God, haven't we? Comparatively, I wonder in that two-hour span how much we've really talked to God. uh, These are challenging things to a preacher's mind and heart. An amazingly high percentage of Americans say they believe in God, but most can't find the time nor the inclination to mutter even a, more than an occasional request for a small favor. When you talk about statistics, most people say they don't spend hardly any time in real communication with God. There's a lot of people that love the idea of praying. Amen. Many are in love with that idea of, of prayer. But in order to learn to to love to pray, as opposed to loving the idea of praying, you must experience the feeling while praying that you are at the center of what God wants for your life. Isn't this why we were created in the first place? Now, we like to talk about Adam and Eve and, and Eve messing up and, you know, what happened to man because of her mess up. And, and uh, we like to try to find blame just like they did. But, you know, the fact of the matter, we were created to fellowship with God. That's why we're, we were created. We are put here in the earth to find fellowship with God, whether you want to call it discipleship. Uh, I don't believe we are created to be just on a church roll. I don't believe we were created just to punch a clock on Sunday and come to church. We were created to fellowship with God. That means talking with God. It, it, wouldn't it be a, uh, think about your marriage for that matter. Think about how much time you spend talking to God. Now translate that and talking to your spouse. Boy, it's real quiet now. <laughs> uh, you, you communicate. Uh, things begin to happen when there's a breakdown of communication. Can I get an Amen. Serious prayer is not a special gift. We don't pray. Notice in the scripture with all those spiritual gifts, prayer is not one of them. Prayer is something that every child of God, he's our creator. We, it's not something we pray, oh God help me to be a special prayer warrior. Uh, we are all called to communicate with God. He wants to walk with us every day. He wants to talk with us every day. In fact, his word said, pray without ceasing. Now if that's talking, then that, that's a challenge because you have to listen sometimes. <laughs> There's, a, there's, a, there's an attitude of prayer. There's a spirit of prayer that I can stay in a, a state of communication with God. It's a privilege to pray because it's an invitation to speak. Think now, think now. It's an invitation to speak to the creator of the universe. 
I don't know if, I've never been able to talk to Donald Trump. Uh, I don't know if I called, if they would let me through. No, I'm not hanging up till I talk to Donald. I'd probably, they'd probably transfer me to Donald Duck. <laughs> I, I haven't ever, you know, I, I don't, I don't uh, think I'd ever get through. I'd probably have to go through how many dozens of people to even, you know, I've got something to tell him. Well, who are you? Well, I pastor a church in Salem. I, I, I'm calling to tell him that it's not uh, one Corinthians. It's, or two Corinthians. It's, you know, whatever this case may be. Uh, I, but I, and when I go to prayer, I am privileged to be talking to the creator of the universe. I think that's pretty big stuff. I, I'm talking to the one who's all-powerful, who's all-knowing, who's everywhere present. How pre- precious is that? How wonderful is that? How blessed is that to be able to speak to someone with that much power? Oh, come on, if you're thankful for that, clap your hands unto the Lord. Amen. And I, I believe we all know that. I think we, we know that he's our God. And we talk to him from time to time and we spend time talking to the Lord. But going into this special time of the year where we focus on prayer and we'll be talking about prayer, I, I want us to understand a number of things. And I think uh, in an introductory way, I think it's very important for us to understand that there's going to be challenges to talking to God. There's going to be battles that come when we say we want to uh, communicate with God. We want prayer to change certain things in our lives in this community. In fact, the Bible says the gates of hell shall not prevail against the church. I want that kind of power in the church of the living God. And and with that in mind, I want us to understand that Ephesians chapter 6 states that because we're in a battle, we need to put on the whole armor of God. If we're uh, we're going out hunting lions, I think we need more than a squirt gun. I think we need more than a than than, than one of those air guns, they, they, you know, paintball. I, I think you go popping a line with a paintball gun, you're just going to make him mad. I think in our arsenal, we better go out loaded for bears, so to speak, because we're fighting lions. <laughs> Somebody say amen. And after we're instructed, the Lord said in Ephesians 6, we should put on the whole armor. Paul said, don't go out without your armor on. (laughs) How many know life is a fight? Life is a struggle. Not only with the decisions you make, but the enemy comes in like a flood. (laughs) And the Bible tells us or instructs us in Ephesians 6, we should put on the whole armor. Everybody say the whole armor. Now, after we are instructed, the writer spends about 17 verses talking about putting on this armor. And notice when we are instructed to put on the whole armor, notice what happens in the next verse. Ephesians six eighteen, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. Prayer plays a pivotal role. He would not tell us in 17 verses to put on the armor and then give us something that's not very important. Prayer plays the unique role in all of this. How do you put on armor? You're not literally dressing up. You actually put on the armor you need to put on by doing what the next verse says, by praying in the Spirit. 
Anybody ever felt weak? Maybe we feel weak, not because we don't have armor. It's because we fail to put it on because we put it on when we pray. Well, come on, somebody clap your hands unto the Lord today. I think prayer ought to be celebrated. I think it ought to be something we focus upon. The command to pray is one of the few truly central and radical things God has called us to do in this what we call spiritual warfare. He called us to pray. In fact, A.J. Gordon once said, you can do more than pray after you have prayed, but you can never do more than pray until you have prayed. We will not be as effective as we're called to be if we're not prayers. We are putting on armor when we pray. I want to be a soldier of the king. I want to be be endued with what everything he's given me so that I can fight the good fight. Somebody say amen. Now, when Jesus called the 12 disciples, he called them to do three mighty things. Uh, To be with him, first of all, follow. Everybody say follow. Follow With that in place, the Bible says he sent them to do the rest, to preach and to have authority to drive out spirits. How many would like to have power in your testimony? And when somebody's sick and they walk in your office or somebody's sick and they're standing by you at the plant and you say, you know what, I believe God wants to heal you right now. And you pray for them and God heal them right there. How many would like to have that happen in your life? How many would like to go to McDonald's and see God do a miracle in somebody's life bigger than a Big Mac? Now, this is very important. He said, follow me. And then he said, preach and go. You have all authority and drive out devils. All the work of the kingdom begins with simply being with Jesus. See, we want the power to preach stuff. We want the power to heal stuff. But we don't want to spend much time with the one. The first thing he said was, walk with me. The preaching and the power comes if you walk with me. Somebody say amen. In fact, the elders of the first church in Jerusalem understood this when they got so busy feeding widows and orphans that they weren't praying. And the leadership said, wait a minute, we're losing the power. And feeding the widows are good. Somebody say amen. And we get an amen from Sister Joyce if she was here. Is she here? There she is. Good to see you, Joyce. Uh, and must say we need to feed the widows. <laughs> Looks like the widows are being fed to me. <laughs> no, I, that's right. It's happening. Uh-oh. You can take that the wrong way. I'm not sure which way you took it. Oh, my goodness. Boy, you can bungle into stuff when you feel anointed, can't you? Keep going, that's right. The apostles, the elders said, you know what? Feeding the uh, the widows is important. Feeding the orphans is important. But we are getting away from the stuff that puts our armor on. We're getting away from the stuff that gives us power to preach and to cast out devils. So what we're going to do, we're going to appoint people to pick up some of those tasks. And and we're not going to let prayer be crowded out. I think it's very important for the church to have a bunch of ministries going. 
But, but I, think it's, I think it's also just as important to realize that if we're not praying, all that other stuff is, is just, just busy. So, hey, we don't want to forsake ministry, but we don't want to forsake prayer by ministry either. So if you're too busy ministering to pray, then you're too busy. I think it's time to step back and say, no, I'm not going to feed any orphans until I pray. Come on, clap your hands on the Lord. Prayer is very important. Prayer is very important. Prayer. Now, isn't it amazing that you'd be saying this kind of stuff in a church? You'd think you'd want to say it in the high school gymnasium or in the jail or somewhere else. But it, I think the church needs to be reminded from time to time that prayer does some powerful things. And the first thing I want you to realize today is that to pray is to engage in radical warfare. Everybody say warfare. When you pray, you are engaging the enemy. Now listen, folks, how many have taken enough from the devil? You're tired of it. Paul told you, you don't wrestle against flesh and blood. You can't call him into your living room and give him a good whipping. But the best whipping you can give him is to begin to pray. Listen, now, if the devil's been beating you up, it's time to say, I'm going to hit back. I'm going to start praying like I've never, I'm going to war. Come on, anybody willing to go into battle today? Amen. And you know, you know as well as I do, punching somebody in the nose sometimes doesn't fix their attitude. It may even make their attitude worse. Merely human action touches only what humans can touch. If I could punch the devil in the face, I don't know if that'd fix all the problems. I might get out a little frustration But prayer gets past the surface. Prayer gets past the appearances and goes to the root of the matter. Now to make this point, Jesus told a story of a confrontation between a widow, Sister Joyce, who was desperate and a judge who could care less. They were in opposite worlds. Here was a widow that had a need and a judge who could care less. And the widow began to knock on his door. You remember the story? And the Bible tells us that the story has a surprising ending. The victory was won. The widow pleads her case. She gets justice. She finally, the judge finally hears her. And the Lord says, hear what the unjust judge said. The Lord said, hear. I told the story. And he said, what I want you to hear is what the unjust judge said. And you know what the unjust judge said that the Lord told us to hear? He says, because she troubles me so much, I will answer her petition. That's all he said. She is wearing me out. And then the Lord said, shall not your God avenge his children which cry unto him day and night? Then he says, don't ever doubt. I will answer them speedily. Folks, I believe when we pray, God is bound to his word to answer. Come on, you say, well, I prayed one time. Keep praying. I said, keep praying. Just keep on knocking on the door. Just keep on coming again. Oh, clap your hands unto the Lord today. When you pray, I will answer. Another thing, another thing I think is very important we need to realize, not only is when we pray, uh, when we're in prayer, we are engaged in spiritual warfare. If I say warfare, 
There's another, we must pray for another reason, and it's this. The work of the church is God's work, not ours. Think about this. Uh, <laughs> I have prayed sometimes when I was working on my truck. I prayed sometimes when I was doing a project for the fourth time. I prayed sometimes when I'm looking at the plumbing pipes. Oh, God. How many of you ever lifted the hood of the vehicle and go, oh, God, help me now? I mean, some people don't have to pray when they lift the hood. They know right what to go for. But we must pray because the work of the church is God's work, not ours. I want to tell you, God is wanting to raise up disciples in this community. That's what he's wanting to do. He's wanting to raise up people that call him Lord and give him lordship in their life all over this community. Amen. I said amen. It's not God's will that any should perish. The Lord wants all 8,000 plus people in this city to be his disciples. Now until that happens, our work continues. If all 8,000 are disciples of Jesus, then we can dust our hands off and say, you know what, we don't need to pray anymore. But I don't know if you've noticed or not, but everybody's not a disciple of Jesus Christ. There's still work to be done. And it's not our work, it's God's work. (laughs) He's the Savior, not me. He's the Savior, not this church. This church didn't save anybody. Jesus saves Somebody say amen. Notice what Jesus said in response to the first confession of faith. He said, who do men say that I the son of man am? And they went on to say who people were saying he was. And then Jesus says, but who do you say that I am? You know who responded? Who responded? Peter. And what did Peter say when Jesus said, who do you say that I am? What did Peter say? Thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus makes an incredible statement here now. He says, flesh and blood hath not revealed this to you, Peter, but my father which is in heaven. That's powerful stuff. It doesn't say that Jesus said, well, I know you've been talking about me and you figured this out. No, he said, no, he didn't say, I know you read that latest book and now you got it figured out. No, he said, the only way you got that, Peter, was from my father, which is in heaven. Jesus is letting Peter know that he didn't figure it out because he had spent so much time with Jesus. Listen. He didn't say, you've been walking with me for a couple of years now and you got no. He said, my father gave this to you. Jesus did not say, Peter, you figured this out because you've been listening to my sermons. Is anybody with me today? He did not say, Peter, you figured this out by seeing all the miracles that I did. No, he said, Peter, what you just got required a supernatural event and that was a divine revelation. Listen, folks, going to church and listening to sermons and knowing Jesus is, I need some divine revelation if I'm going to know everything that God wants me to know. Oh, come on, somebody say amen. I need to do more than go to a couple of classes. I need a divine revelation. I need God to show me some things. And I want to say something to you. There are things you're dealing with right now, right now in your life that require more than a class and more than listening to this sermon. I wish one sermon could fix all the problems. 
I'd keep preaching that one sermon every service. But it takes more than that. There are things you're dealing with right now that require a divine revelation in your life. You need an answer. You don't know how to go. You know, when, when that, that couple that loses that little baby to sudden infant death syndrome, they can search. The, now, I know there's comfort scriptures. I know the thing, things that God can help them with. And I know they can read the Bible and they can go to church and experience prayer and all that. But there are some things I need God to come down and give me a divine revelation. When you, when, you know, when, when you've been praying for your dad and they find him dead on the floor in his kitchen and it doesn't look like things have turned out like you had liked, you need a divine event in that moment. Oh, anybody hear what I'm saying? I need to be able to say, God, I need an answer. And I, they didn't teach this in Bible school. I need a supernatural voice from heaven. And the Lord said to Peter, there's some things you don't get by hearing sermons and seeing miracles and going to a class. You need to hear it from God. How many want to hear something from God? You want God to speak to your situation. You want God to show up in your life. Come on right now, lift your hands and say, Lord, I'm ready for you to speak to me. Give me a divine revelation. Talk to me, God. This is God's work. The Bible tells us God came down from the mountain. Jesus came down from the mountain of transfiguration. He found his disciples in an argument with the teachers of the law. And you know why they were in an argument? They were unable to heal a poor child who was periodically taken by an evil spirit. And Jesus almost seems frustrated when he says, How long will I put up with you? Bring the boy to me. You know what happened? Jesus healed him. And you know what the disciples did after everybody was gone? You know what they did. They said, he, we, he's frustrated. He's about to throw us away. We better figure this out. And when everybody was gone, they came to it privately and they asked, Lord, why were we not able to deliver this boy? The answer is brief and devastating. Jesus said, this kind comes not out but by prayer and fasting. There are some things you can accomplish without praying. I'd like to say to some of you, we can have, even have a pretty good church service without most of us praying. But there are some areas in the spiritual world that we cannot accomplish without prayer and fasting. They had to pray to drive a demon out. What on earth were they doing? Jesus said, this doesn't happen unless you pray and fast. What were they doing? They were his disciples. He was praying sometimes all night long. What were they doing? You know what? We can see an example all day long. Well, I'll pray if they pray. Well, that didn't happen. The bottom line, we have to personally say, I'm going to spend time with God because I want power in my testimony. Whatever it was that they were doing, clearly they weren't praying nor fasting. I'd like to submit to you that churches can run without prayer. Whole denominations can run without prayer. The question is, is what they're doing worth doing if they can do it without prayer? 
What are we doing without prayer? Are we seeing lives change, baptismal waters, trouble, people receiving the Holy Ghost in their house around Thanksgiving? Are people driving by the church and pulling over and the Spirit of God touching them in a powerful way? Yeah, we're seeing some of that happen, but I don't believe the Lord is done yet. <laughs> and the question is, if we're not praying, what are, we, what are we doing that's worth doing if we can do it without prayer? You know what? We can have a pig roast without prayer. We can have a church party without prayer. But we can't see demons cast out without prayer. And we can't see the miraculous without prayer. So I submit to you, no, I'm not saying throw out the barbecue. But I am saying we ought to be about the business that the church is here to do. And that's to preach and cast out devils. Come on, somebody clap your hands under the Lord. Amen. Amen. Hey, hey, let, let me give you some, some exciting news. If you want to know what your commission is, what you're called to do, let me tell you what you're called to do. You're called to storm the gates of hell. You see how quiet that got? Because hell has got up all in our business. It's in our house. We're not storming nothing. He's storming us. Our commission is to storm the very gates of hell. Evil and darkness are as entrenched as they ever were. Do we really believe that programs, committees, doctrinal exhortations, pronouncements, decrees, do we think the government is going to change that? Pass some law? No. There's never a knock at heaven's gate, but that it sounds in hell also. And the devils come out to silence it. No, you didn't hear me. I just said that when we knock on heaven's door, Judy, hell hears it. And hell decides it's going to stop it. That's why I'm preaching to you today the knock heard in both worlds. See, when we pray, hell knows we're praying. No, you didn't hear me. I said the enemy knows we're praying. When we're praying, we're actually going to war. We're actually shaking the gates of hell. And hell decides we can't put up with this. We're going to stop this any way we can. So the devil begins to battle our minds, battle our bodies. Well, I'm tired. Well, I got too much going. Well, I'm busy. Well, absolutely, and, and that's all true. And Somebody say amen. But it's not the whole truth because we do have time to do all that stuff we're busy with. That means I do have time to shake the gates of hell if I choose to. I don't know about you, man, but I want to be knocking on heaven's door. Man, that was, I said, I want to be knocking on heaven's door. The devil's going to try to stop it, but I want the enemy to know I'm going to prayer. So we pray because the work is God's and it is not ours. I'm going to keep asking. I'm going to keep petitioning. 
Oh, I love you, Lord. Come on, re reach out to the Lord right now in your own way. Close your eyes, raise your hands, doesn't matter. And just say, Lord, help me to grasp what I'm hearing today. To begin a lifestyle of prayer and seeking you. Lord, it doesn't mean I've gone to church all my life. I don't, I don't have to go to church all my life to know where to put the words. I can talk to you just like I'm talking to anybody else. I can say, Lord, I'm having trouble with my life. Lord, I'm having, I'm discouraged. Lord, I'm depressed. Lord, I need you to move in my family. Those words are easy to say. Lord, I, I want to be able to open up and speak them to you. I'm knocking on your door. And as I go forward and hurry to end this message, not only is prayer unnecessary because the work of the church is God's work. Everybody say God's work. Prayer actually gets God's work done. Think about it. I pastored here 27 years. I hadn't done the math. I wonder how many sermons I've preached. If preaching got this community where it needed to be with God, 27 years ought to do it. I want you to think about teaching your Sunday school class. I want you to think about singing in your choir. How many times, how many years you played or been involved in things or driven the bus or worked in the school? The list goes on and on. Think about our effectiveness. Think about what we've seen done. You know, if all we do is work hard, we only get what hard work brings us. But the fact of the matter is prayer is actually the thing that gets God's work done. Yes, our efforts are important. We don't quit preaching. We don't quit teaching. We don't quit driving the bus. We don't quit uh, participating. But prayer is what engages God to do his work. Have you ever wondered how prayer is seen in heaven? Have you ever wondered what happens when we pray here? How many ever prayed and it felt like, man, I don't even know if that's getting up to the roof. It, it feels like, I, I don't know, if you've ever started a fire in a cold house and uh, maybe there was uh, low pressure in the atmosphere and the temperature wasn't too different from the temperature in the house, but you just want a little fire going. <laughs> you ever started a fire and wondered why the smoke wasn't going out the chimney? It's trying to get in the house. Sometimes our prayers are like that. We, we feel like they ought to be going up, but they don't feel like they're going up. It feels like they're coming down to the floor and kind of crawling around. How many ever prayed and it felt that way? Felt that way. Absolutely. It's like, God, are you even hearing what I'm saying? But I want you to understand what happens in heaven when you pray. The book of Revelation tells us what goes on when God's people pray. And that ought to be enough. If I could recognize what goes on in heaven when I pray, it ought to motivate me. <laughs> I say, man, I'm going to do some more of that. Think about this scene and the Bible. John sees it in the throne room of heaven. In the, he's ushered into the throne room. He sees something. And the Bible says he sees the angels standing before God. And they're holding golden censers. Everybody say golden censers. I don't know what they, but just golden censers. It's stuff you put smell good incense in. And in those senses, censers are, are burning incense that is mixed with the prayers of the saints. 
they are standing around the throne, Brother Paul, and they got these little incense burners and there's smoke coming out of it. And Paul said, that's, or John said, that smoke is the prayers of the saints on the earth. And he says those prayers are going up before the Lord. He says they are then, uh, those prayers and those censers, they're mixed with fire from the altar. And the Bible says when they're mixed with fire, then they're hurled back down into the earth. And when that happens, there is thunder and rumblings and flashing of lightning and earthquakes. How many know there's some answered prayers that felt like that? Woo! Yeah, you know what I'm saying. And if that's what's going on in heaven when I'm praying, that my prayers are actually going up before God and the opportunity for them to be answered, I think I'll keep on praying. I think I'll keep on sending up some incense. I don't care how many times I've come. I want my smoke to go in the throne room today. Oh, Brother Gene, I prayed a couple months ago and nothing happened. Well, come on, fill that throne room with some smoke today. Fill that throne room with some prayer. Oh, clap your hands unto the Lord. Now, think about, think about saints of God huddled in a prayer meeting. Sometimes it seems prayers are not even making it out of the building. It doesn't frequently bring with it a sensation of cosmic power and earthquakes. But that's exactly what is happening. This is why we ought to pray in hope. When we get down and pray, we need to know that the mountains are about to move. When we get down to pray, we need to know the answer is about to come. Prayer changes things. But prayer not only changes things, prayer changes the prayer. Creation is shaken by the prayers of the saints. Something is happening as we pray. Work is being done whether we see it or not. In fact, prayer is harder work than work. In fact, if I said tomorrow, folks, I'm tired of waiting. Tomorrow, we're going right out here on the west side of this building where that sanctuary is going to be. A few days from now. If I said today, folks, I'm tired of waiting. Me, Mike, Mac Todd, and Mike Donnelly, we're going to form in this project. And we'll be out here tomorrow morning. (laughs) And all those who are interested, come help us. You know what? I know this church. You'd show up. Now, you'd want the work to get done real quick. About a week. Fooling around, messing around. You're not going to mess with that. You know, you're not going to come and us not know what to do. Well, I think we'll, we'll go eat lunch now and figure it out. No, you want to know what to do and get, get with it. <laughs> but I want to tell you, prayer is harder work than that. Prayer, it's harder to pray than it is to work. Why does God tell us to pray for things that he's promised us anyway? Genesis 25, he promised Isaac was going to have children. But he had Rebekah for a wife and she was barren. Why did Isaac have to pray for something God already said he was going to do? Well, God's going to give revival where I pray or not. Oh, no, no, no. This is where you and I join with God. 
Let me give you a good example. Blaise Pascal, the French philosopher and mathematician, suggests in this idea that we need to pray to get in, in harmony with God. He suggests that God does it to give us the dignity of causality. We're causing something to happen, us and God. He says, when my children were young, they would help me mow the grass. The grass was too thick, the mower too heavy for them to push. So I stood over them, hands on the mower handle with theirs. My body bent slightly forward and pushed as they pushed it through the grass. I could have done the job better and more easily by myself. But I wanted the pleasure of their company. I also wanted them to have something to do that mattered to have the dignity of causality. I think God commands us to pray for exactly the same reason. He wants me to feel like I've got a part in this. Now I know it's about that big. He moves the mountains. He causes coins to show up in fish's mouths. He calms the storm. But I'm the one in there praying, Lord, thy will be done. We must pray. Oh, clap your hands unto the Lord. I, I close. Not only is the work of the church God's work, not only should we pray because that causes the work to be done, but we must also pray because prayer allows God to work on us. To stand in the presence of God is as it was with Moses' shining face, the reflection of his glory. Not only that, but it is to absorb his glory, to be transformed into his image. Prayer does that. The command of the Lord in Acts chapter 1. Go wait in Jerusalem till you be endued with power. You shall receive the Holy Ghost. You shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you. Somebody say amen. Acts 2 tells us they were in one accord and in one place. So the directions were, go wait in Jerusalem, pray. You'll be endued with the Holy Ghost and after that you'll have power. Now power was the gift the Lord wanted to give his church. This power was to be used. When Jesus gave the church power, he wants us to use it. This power was to be used gradually. He said, go be witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea and Samaria, etc. And it has an increasing effect. God wants his power to, to exponentially grow. But notice, it doesn't happen without first prayer. I'm convinced a lot of churches want power, but they're not waiting at Jerusalem until they be endued with it. So this week, we're going to wait. We're going to pray. We're going to ask God to move in this church in, in the coming year. Now, we're already a month in, but there are exciting things that God has planned for his people. I see this gym full. I see us moving forward. I see us building a sanctuary. I see lives change. More than that, I see ministry outside the walls of this church. I see apostolic power. I see miracles happening in workplaces. It doesn't have to happen in the hospital. It happens in the workplaces. I see people getting saved in the school hallway. Come on. I hear people calling me in the middle of the week saying, Pastor, my friend wants to be baptized. And you know what I say? Go baptize him. <laughs> Come on, clap your hands under the Lord. I close prayer prayer that's all we will ever really need to do 
That's all we will ever really need to do, the work of Jesus Christ. The best thing we have to offer the world is not a seminary degree, not a preaching class we've taken, not the books of theology that we have read, not the latest teaching series that we downloaded from some site. And these things are important. As helpful as they can be, though, they are the, as best, at best the spokes of the wheel. They are never the hub. That's why Dwight L. Moody said he would rather learn how to pray than how to preach. For Jesus' disciples never ask him to teach them how to preach. They ask him, Lord, teach us to pray. The clergy of North American church is perhaps the best educated clergy in, the, in history. The church itself has more money, more books, more media tools than the church in any other place on the earth. Yet with all this, the church overall, overall is shrinking, not gaining in numbers. One has to go to the poor and uneducated countries of the earth, places like East Africa, Latin America, to find the church prospering and growing. True, they need and desire leaders who are better educated. But in all this, God seems to be saying to us something like the thing he said to Martha. Martha, you are worried and upset about many things, but only one thing is needed. Listen, if I'd have walked in here today and seen that none of these chairs were set up and none of this equipment was set up, you know what? Instantly, I would get upset. How can we have church? without any equipment set up. Who didn't do their job? Hello? I'm sure maybe somebody gets a little uh, lathered up when a choir member just decides, I'm not showing up. You don't call the choir director, you just don't show up. Or a a musician just says, I ain't coming. We get our dander up about all kind of crazy stuff. Somebody parked in my place. Somebody's sitting on my chair. Anybody hear what I'm saying? That's exactly what I'm talking about. We can get worked up about all kind of stuff. But Jesus said, Martha, you're getting worked up about stuff that doesn't matter. Now, I'm not saying the chairs don't need to be set up. I'm asking you, are you that worked up about prayer? Yeah, that's the point. See, Mary was at his feet. Mary was at his feet, communing with him. And he said, you know, there's time to cook and there's time to clean. Hello. But you're worried about stuff right now that doesn't matter. You need to be worried about this. The church grows when its people attend to the one thing needed, not when it's preoccupied with the many things that are really not needed. That's because people are God's method, not techniques and not programs. People. Everybody say people. It's what we do it for. It's the one thing today that I will encounter that's eternal. Think about it. I'll drive home in a truck that's temporal. I'll walk into a house that's temporal. It's going to fall apart. It's in the process of it. I'm, but the one thing today that I'm going to encounter that will live forever, it's all of you sitting here looking back at me. What's more important than that? The chairs? Fooey on the chairs. Fooey. What? Where did that word come? Yeah, they're important for us to sit. But you know what is most important? People. People. I got a few verses to read. 
and then we're going to pray together. Psalms 5, verse 1. Give ear to my words, O Lord. Consider my meditations. Hearken unto the voice of my cry, my King and my God. For unto thee will I pray. My voice shalt thou hear in the morning, O Lord. In the morning will I direct my prayer unto thee and will look up. Hear our prayer, O God. Jeremiah 29, 11. This is God saying, listen, listen what God says. For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, saith the Lord. Thoughts of peace and not evil. To give you an expected end. Then shall ye call upon me and you shall go and pray unto me and I will hearken unto you and you shall seek me and find me when you shall search for me with all your heart you know that verse don't you you've quoted that one many times you'll seek the Lord you'll find him when you seek for him with all your heart you've heard that over and over but two verses before that the Lord says I'm thinking good things about you I'm thinking wonderful plans about you and he said if you could grasp this this would cause you to call out to me I want to tell you God's not a big old uh, sheriff in the sky ready to pounce on you and beat your head in no he's got good plans for you he's got great things in store for you and when I consider that I call on him I want to speak to him about it I want him to bring it to pass in my life 1 Thessalonians 5 16 rejoice anybody like to know what God wants for your life Anybody like to know? Yes, verse 16. Rejoice evermore. Don't stop rejoicing. 17. Pray without ceasing. In everything give thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Keep on rejoicing and keep on praying and keep on thanking God. Hebrews 4 and 16. Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace in the time of of need. Would you stand with me right now? And I just want you to reach over and connect with somebody. Maybe it's your husband, wife, a friend. You're standing beside someone. I, I believe the Spirit is calling you today to begin a journey of prayer, a journey of talking to the Lord, a journey of communicating with God. Whether this is your first Sunday here or you've been here, as long as this church has been on this corner, come on right now. The Lord is, is wanting to talk to you about, about a fresh commitment to prayer. And, and God, if it's just five minutes before I go to work if it's just 10 minutes on my lunch hour Lord if it's just 15 minutes after I get home and I I get by myself and I just say Lord I need your help Lord I got things going on that I that I need a miracle to work out God I got kids that are lost I'm gonna pray again I'm gonna knock again I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna shake the doors of heaven and I know hell's gonna hear it and I know they're gonna come out and try to stop me but the gates of hell shall not prevail against the church Lord help us now God Lord move on us God as a church Lord don't let it just be 20 or 30 people that, that's dedicated themselves to prayer let this entire church gather up Lord let every person here every man, every father, every husband Let them realize you're working, you're moving, and you've got plans for them that only come to pass as we pray. The power of prayer, the knock heard in both worlds. I'm knocking, I'm asking, I'm seeking. Oh, I love you, Lord. 
I worship you, Lord. Now lift your hands and just begin to worship the Lord. Or in your own way, if you're not comfortable with that, just in some way say, Lord, I love you, Jesus. I worship you, Lord. I'm going to dedicate myself this year, and especially during this time, to seek after you. You've got things you want to say to us. You've got words you want to speak to us. You've got a calling for somebody. You've got, you've got something you want to say to somebody in this room. And God, it's only going to happen by divine revelation. And that happens when we pray. That happens when we pray. That happens when we pray.